And now, folks, let's get on with the show. And in doing so, get on with the show. Patty Walsh, how you doing, you fucking guy? Uh, I'm good, Joe. Thank you. Uh, happy Thanksgiving. We're recording this live on Thanksgiving. Not live. We're live. Uh, you'll be hearing it later. Uh, yes, we had to do two today. We did it. We just did our bonus app, which will be going up soon for the bonus folks. And this is the regular app. This is the last app of the, uh, November month. We'll be doing shout outs to the Patreon customers. Uh, and folks, you can't spell Patreon without Pat. Uh, how are you? I'm Pat Walsh. I'm Joe DeRosa. You know, should we do the shout outs at the top here? I, no, I think people like them at the at end. At the end, okay. It's a lot to listen to. Well, I, one thing I do want to do before I forget here is say a big, big thank you to Emily. Uh, Emily, your last name, I'm, I'm, it's Flor- Florence. Oh, it is. That's how that's pronounced? Florence? As far as I know, yeah. It looks like it says Floor Renaissance, but all right, Florence. I think it's Florence, yeah. Emily, thank you so much. Emily came out to a show of mine in uh, uh, um, uh, Fort Worth, Texas. And said not only incredibly nice things about our show and how much she was a fan and everything, but she brought beautiful prints that she had made. I saw them. Incredible. Uh, from an artist. Uh, Jeremy, I think, is the artist's name, right? The guy Jeremy that, Benison. I yeah. Believe, yes. Uh, Jeremy. I, 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 I was, they were breathtaking, sure I these right. things. These were breathtaking. Incredible. Incredible. Uh, I urge you. I, I, I couldn't believe If you're on it. Facebook... Follow us on Facebook and check out these prints. Uh, they're on Twitter and Instagram as well. And there's a total of... I Link think to the guy... You have the guy's Instagram page, right? I don't have it on here. No. I have Emily's. All right. Well, let me get let me get it. Hang on. Um, and I think that... I His do name f- is Jeremy Benison. I was yeah. correct. And I'm going to look up that Instagram while Joe talks. Um, Emily had printed out a bunch of the... Um, uh, artwork that Jeremy had done for the show literally was not commissioned or sequestered in any way to do this. He did it just out of the love of his heart uh, and made several prints, uh, the latest of which features Pat. It, at the top of the page, it says now on with the Joe. Yeah. And it's Pat sitting in a chair and my severed head in his lap. <laughs> and it's amazing it's amazing yeah. it's got our logo on it it's there these i things think the are implication incre- was that i was going to use your sever head to blow myself uh i've kind of always thought that's how it was going to come yeah. to an end myself but um Folks, let, me give, I, these, let me give you his instagram to check out these prints jeremy benison j-e-r-e-m-y-b-e-n-n-i-s-o-n on instagram these are um, if you're a fan of the show you got to check these out and we, follow, uh, uh, we're going to try to get some way to, to sell these to you in some way and get people paid. Follow Emily, too. She's very cool. Yes, it's, Emily uh, Florence runs the E-M- Facebook page. Yeah, she runs our Facebook page. Thank you again for that, Emily. We talked about it the other night, but we can't thank you enough for that. Here's uh, Emily. Uh, follow her at E-M-I-L-Y-F-L-O-R-E-N-A-I-S-S-A-N-C-E. Yes. Uh, check her out on Instagram. Uh, and check out Jeremy and you guys are the best and we really appreciate fans like you we appreciate all the fans and we will be doing shout outs at the end of today's episode uh, we're a little pressed for time we're not going to shortchange anybody but 
Um, we got to get it in uh, because That's what she said. We've got a dinner to go to for Thanksgiving. A Thanksgiving dinner, you might say. Uh, I'd call it a Thanksgiving dinner. Would you? You're spilling your drink all over yourself. <clears throat> Pat Pat just took a big swip, sip of a. Uh, I made us a couple of gin and tonics while we sit here. No, I, I actually spilled quite a bit. So when you're picking up a drink that has nothing in it and then you switch to a filled to the brim drink, it's a rough transition sometimes. Yeah. And I made them a little too strong, I think. Well, as I said on the previous one, I've had one drink and I don't think I've ever been this drunk in my entire life because I never drink gin. <laughs> Nor should anyone. So what direction do you think that you're going to head in today? <laughs> Look, um, when you haven't eaten at 3 p.m. and now you're on gin too, I mean, I, it's anybody's guess. Yeah, yeah. Cut to you in the restaurant. You call this turkey? Pat, that's the steak. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Throwing stuffing in the waiter's eyes. This turkey's burnt. Why is it brown? <laughs> it's Pat's yeah. steak. Joe, let me take us down to Pat's movie corner uh, because I have a lot this week. Okay. I gave myself a nice little hiatus from work, and I've been catching up on stuff. Good. I've got some stuff, too. Let's get into it. I'm going to move through it quickly here. This season of Nathan for you as a whole, a little disappointing, and I found that it was getting mean in spots. It was starting to feel like, it's always the issue with a jackass thing. If they're not doing it to each other, you're kind of like, you feel bad sometimes for the people. And I felt bad for the people on Nathan for you. But the two hour finale of Nathan for you is one of the most amazing episodes of television I've ever seen in my entire life. And, you know, I, I, I'm forcing Heather to watch it. I'm trying to get Joe to watch it. It's the kind of thing where once you see it, you want to tell everyone, you know, to see it. Uh, and, I urge you to check it out. It was an incre- If it was a documentary, it would win every award. I, I urge you to check it out. It's fantastic. Uh, I'm going to save my fave for last, but uh, I will start with you went and saved the fave for last. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Right? There you go, people. Pat, Pat is ear-to-ear smiling as he's singing that. His face is turning red. I'm a little worried about what's going to happen in this restaurant today. No, it's fine. Uh, no, I, uh, I, uh, I'll start out with uh, I, f- I saw a show called There's Johnny, which oh, is. Oh, boy. I'm going to send you a review of that show that will make <laughs> your blood boil. That's all Why? I'll say. It's a review of the show where it's like. I guess they just wanted to whitewash over the negative aspects of Johnny's career. And then it was like, it, it's like the whole review is this harshly critical thing of Johnny Carson. Right. And I was like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> it's like some Buzzfeed article where they're shitting on Johnny Carson and like what an asshole he was and how he never took any chances comedically. And I'm like, what? What are you doing? What are they t- oh, God. All right. Well, in any case, go on. There's you Johnny, don't shit on Johnny Carson. A show I was happy to see got made. I actually auditioned for it when it was supposed to be a CISO yes. program. Uh, R.I.P. And CISO. I got damn close, Walsh. I got yeah. damn close. Uh, but as one of the million things... Folks, he almost got past security. 
that's how close he got. Uh, I, but then CISO folded, and I thought, I guess, I guess that show's not being made. But it did, it did get made. It got made on Hulu. Paul Reiser's behind it. I'm a big Paul Reiser fan. Love Paul Reiser, nice man too. My buddy voice. Andrew Schultz is in it. He's very funny in it, playing one of the comics. I, I think he's playing the role I was supposed to play. Okay, because I remember, Awkward. as always. I always audition for it'll be I get auditions people when they send you an audition they'll they'll give you like a description of the character like with random words bullet pointed or or a few sentences my common phrases come up just like sad alcoholic schlub who's suicidal you know what I mean these are the things I often get asshole writer right. So I remember being the dick, and it seems that oh, Andrew you, you played an asshole on, on my show. Yes, yes, and 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 what a time and a philanderer. Yeah. The uh, um, so anyway, Andrew is is very funny in it. Everybody's very funny. The show's very funny. It's shot a little uh, too much like a like an ABC, like a sort of like a like the tone of like a like, like a blackish would have. Sure. And I feel that it's not. Uh, or a fresh off the boat, or maybe is probably a better example. Goldbergs. Goldbergs is a perfect example. It's it's it has that same tone as the Goldberg, and I feel like that tone is such a modern tone. It takes away from the periodness of the piece, um, sure. and some of the nostalgia. But aside from what that, what do you think of the periodness funny. of a piece like uh, Carrie? Oh Jesus, folks! Oh boy. <laughs> The uh, <laughs> folks, if we can't joke in these troubled times, <laughs> I got no problem with you with the joke. It's just, geez, you say you say period. Joe, uh, Joe blushes. This is like this is like when you like when Daddy gets too drunk at Thanksgiving. <laughs> you know, I'm not again, folks. I've had a drink and a th- and a eighth yeah. of a drink. We're gonna be sitting in the restaurant later. Pat's gonna be like, "You got any of that Dago dressing?" <laughs> <laughs> Grabbing at like, like uh, <laughs> motorboating a woman's ass <laughs> at the table. What? I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, so that's that's the first one. I have it's, it's an enjoyable show, though. Okay. Uh, I saw, folks. I want to recommend a fantastic show to you on TBS. It's called Search Party. I My was friends created that show. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Well, they're great. They directed as well. My, I don't know if they directed it, but my friend Sarah Violet and Charles created that show. It's yeah, they, they direct. I wrote on uh, Wet Hot with them. Oh, okay. Great. Yeah, they're great. They're really amazing people. The uh, the first season I watched in one night, and I I never do shit like that anymore. I thought it was so fucking funny. John Early, one of the funniest men alive. That kid is a beast. He His like internet videos make my day, and him on this show, every line is funny. We have the same doctor. Okay. Yeah, we'll see each other sometimes in the waiting room. We'll talk right. a bit, and yeah, you know, we're friends from the scene, as, I mean, as as you are in this biz. He's really fucking <clears throat> funny on this show, and yeah. I think it's going to make him a big star. Yeah. Anyway, you can watch the whole first season on on various sites, but the second season started this past week. They played two back to back that were just fucking awesome, and it's become one of my very favorite shows on television. I got to I got to watch. I don't have cable. I miss so much of this stuff. It, yeah. Wait, can you wait, is it streaming though? I th- Is that what you just said? Cuz you said you binged it. It might be on Netflix, yeah. I oh, think they I put it on Netflix, Netflix yeah. All right. But I don't hold me to that. I don't know. Um maybe I watched, Hulu. I think it's definitely on Hulu. I watched um finally came out Jim and Andy. Well, 
I'm going to meet you head on on this one, Joe, because I watched it myself. Um, for those of you who don't know, Jim Carrey uh, made, a, made a documentary that it captures all the footage off camera from when he played Andy Kaufman in Man on the Moon. I also watched Man on the Moon this week. I love Man on the Moon. I do, too, except for one line that I'm going to do for you right now from Danny DeVito to Jim Carrey. So Jim Carrey, as Andy Kaufman, has a fake booger in his nose. Yes. And then he moves the fake booger to the other nostril. Uh-huh. And then Danny DeVito, who has known Andy Kaufman for 30 seconds, he notices the booger gag and he goes, <laughs> Andy, you're insane. But you might also be brilliant. Yeah, yeah. It's a terrible line. That is the worst, maybe the worst line in biopic history. Yeah. And it's, you know, DeVito did what he could. It's not his fault. Right. But holy shit, is that an embarrassing line of dialogue. And the rest of the movie is fantastic. It's, yeah. The line at the beginning is a bit heavy-handed, too, when the dad goes, Andy, you can't perform to the wall. You need an audience. (laughs) That's a little much. (laughs) Yeah. Like, all right. Yeah. Um, I mean, certain parts of it, especially because of how seriously he takes it, when you watch this Jim and Andy documentary about the making of that, it makes certain things in Man on the Moons seem pretty funny because right. they're so stupid um, and they're taking them so seriously. So there was all this footage for Man on the Moon. According to the opening card, it's been in, it's been in a vault for nearly 25 years. I don't think that that is anywhere near correct. I believe at no. most that movie is 20 years old. At Night, most. It came out in 1999. Yeah. So um, anyway. Uh, but, you know, Car- it, you know to, what, you'd, what you'd think it is. Jim Carrey became essentially Andy Kaufman during the entire shooting. Right. Super committed. Created an Andy Kaufman experience off camera in between shots. Studios didn't want the material to come out because they thought it would make him look like an asshole. They, they wanted did, the movie did. to do well, and they and the studios were right. It did make him yeah. look like an asshole. How about uh, those scenes where his the guy playing his dad and him have like these emotional breakdowns in the makeup trailer? Yeah, I wanted to slap them both in the fucking face. <laughs> that dad character, a day player coming in to do like ten lines, he's gonna suddenly he's living through. Jim Carrey's Andy Kaufman yeah, it's, and, and it's, being his father. It's a little absurd. Get the fuck over yourself. You could tell that the one guy, everybody is sort this of buying into business. it. Milos Foreman. Yeah. DeVito is even like being Milos comes off like a saint in that movie. Yeah. They're all kind of buying into this and playing along. You can tell that the one guy that really isn't is Giamatti, and he's just kind of, he's always off to the side, yeah. just kind of laughing. And Giamatti just, like, is <laughs> is awesome in Man on the Moon and also awesome in this documentary. Like, you realize, like, the, the actual person. I'm, look, the worst brag ever, but when he came to SNL, I spent some time with him. Right. Because he was terrified. And he's, like, the the nicest guy. The reason he's the only one in that movie not crying because of the the feelings that andy kaufman through jim carrey awakens in them is because he's the only normal person on the fucking set but giamatti when he was on snl he was like so uh, let me ask he goes how many people did they ask before me was it 40 please don't tell me it was more than 50 it was 60 wasn't it you're telling me it was 75 people it's like the first thing he said to me and i was like you know, it was just such a, a treat that he was as delightful in person. Yeah. So then I'm sure somebody like that, that normal, 
being on a set like that has got to be like, what the fuck am I gotten myself into? Um, well, he says at one point when they're interviewing him, he was just a day player. This is well before he was famous at yeah. all. He was not a famous guy yet. And he yeah. was the guy at that time that everybody said, oh, that's the guy from Private Parts. Well, he should have won Best Supporting Actor for Private Parts, I, I would say. I agree. Um, that is one of the all-time great performances. It's, it's, it's a masterpiece. It really is. It's, a, it's masterful. It's, I think it's the best he's ever been. Yeah. You goddamn motherfuckers. <laughs> you sons of bitch bastards. Playing pig vomit. If you, if you haven't seen fucking Private Parts, there is an underrated movie for you. That's a Jesus. good biopic. Um, Saw it on the same night as the re-release of Return of the Jedi at the Mid Rivers Mall Six Cinema. The worst, my least favorite of the special editions because they added the song and dance number to yeah, it. Yeah, I like a song and dance. I like um, a little seltzer in my pants. Folks. But anyway, Happy this movie essentially is supposed to be a tribute to the spirit of Andy Kaufman. Yeah, and what that spirit meant to Jim and and do you like Andy Kaufman? I do, but I also. You I kind of don't give a fuck. I have it in context. I'm not like... He's like my least favorite character on Taxi. Well, I don't like him on Taxi. I'm not a huge Taxi fan. I got to be honest. I uh, love Taxi. But here's the thing. Love what taxi. happens in the end of this flick is... Or not in the end, but like overall, what you take away from it is... It's really just Jim Carrey celebrating himself. He refers to himself throughout the entire interview as third person. Yeah. And people, spoiler alert, and I texted Walsh immediately... Pat, I texted you immediately as soon as this happened. He says, after they stopped, this is the last segment, he goes, after we stopped shooting, I was supposed to be in the REM video for the movie. I didn't want to be because right. I was done being Andy Kaufman. I didn't want to go back to that. I had lost myself. I, and it's all making sense. You're like, I get it, dude. You went deep in. And he's like, this has limits. You got to stop. Yeah. Then the last line of the movie is, Jimmy Gary goes, I wonder if I could do that with other people. Like, what if I just decided to just to be Jesus? That's yeah. the last line of the fucking movie. Yeah. And then he kind of like shrugs like fake humbly and like takes his microphone off. Yeah. And he goes, man, we got into some heavy shit there. Mic drop. Literally yeah. mic drop. Which which made it worse. So when he said we got into some heavy shit there, it's kind of like saying, I think uh, I kind of just dropped some truth on you that maybe I'm Jesus. That's how I took it. Dude, that's why I took it too. It that's sounded like he was like, so I think I just kind of accidentally let it slip that I'm Jesus. Yeah. And my text to Pat was He's an egomaniac. Carrie vaguely compares himself to Christ at the end of this Andy yeah. Kaufman thing. Um also well, too, I love the fucking documentary, by the way. I enjoyed it. The footage is amazing. I, I to wish watch. every movie I've ever seen had a had a ninety minute documentary about people behaving badly on the set. I mean, the what a dream. The footage was amazing to watch. I loved Jim Carrey's idea where he was like, I wish this behind-the-scenes stuff was merged into the actual movie. Yeah. I thought that would have been fascinating. Yeah. They did that a little bit in American Splendor, and it worked very well. I love American Splendor. Um, Favorite line of American Splendor is when Paul Giamatti looks in the mirror and he goes, well, there's a reliable disappointment. My, uh, that's what, a great What line. a line. My favorite line is when he's still a kid at the beginning, walking away. Why does everybody got to be so stupid? I was just like, I've never yeah. related more in my yeah. life to a sentence. Uh, the uh, But here's the thing. Oh, I, I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say. Uh, my Well, this is all I was going to say. My favorite yes. part in the Kaufman thing is, and this is this made me. I love that this happened, but it also made me not like Jim Carrey more. He's rousing Jerry Lawler through this whole thing. Yeah. And then they're cutting to Jerry Lawler and he's like, yeah, he's like, I knew Andy Kaufman. 
We were friendly. It was yeah. like when we were in private, he was really respectful. It was a show. He yeah. understood when to stop. And he's like, Carrie is doing the show with me privately and rousing me constantly. Yeah. And he just won't stop. And then finally, Lawler snaps on set. Well, and the movie this, made me love Lawler. Who yeah, I, I already really, love Lawler. Yeah. The king. Yeah. But and it's the scene where it reveals that they're actually friends where you're like, oh, thank God this is okay. Right. And in when they're shooting that scene, in between takes where they're supposed to be friendly in the scene, Carrie rouses Jerry Lawler so much. Lawler goes after him, grabs him, starts beating the shit out of him. They have it on fucking camera. Yeah. Uh, and then Bob's mood and somebody else go to break it up and they peel them apart and Lawler is just screaming, remember this, I can do this anytime I want. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, such a great thing to say to a guy that has it coming to him. It's just like, just yeah. remember, I can do this whenever I want. Right. But then I was like, well, maybe that's fake. Yeah. Maybe. Well, we, when they was, had the news reports, I was like, this feels a little fake. I don't know. Maybe Carrie was like, we can't reveal that Jerry maybe knew I was, was. going to do this right. to him. Right. I don't know. Now, off that, this inspired me to rewatch Liar Liar, a movie I had a lot of affection for. When I saw it when I was like 17. It's not but, great. No, but, <laughs> you know, like I had seen. Okay, so Ace Ventura is uh, sort of reinvented comedy. I, I've heard it does not hold up well. But uh, I was like, what What the hell am I watching? And I loved it. The Mask was very entertaining. Dumb and Dumber, obviously a masterpiece. And I went along with Jim Carrey for a long time. Where like everything he made I liked to some extent. And I remember really liking Liar Liar. Mm -hmm. I watched it the other night, folks. This is a terrible film. It's terrible. It's I thought it was absolutely terrible. When I saw terrible. The and he plays the entire 90 minute running time. He plays I Can't Lie as a screaming sociopathic maniac, mm -hmm. where in every scene he is screaming at the top of his lungs. Right. Why would you go that route with this material? You have a great premise. Why are you screaming in every scene? I hated him, and I hated the movie. It's and the, I was shocked because I always loved it. It's the same thing in the... in the um, What's the Ricky Gervais movie with Louis C.K. where... Invention of Lying. Yeah. It's the same problem to me thematically yeah. that that movie has, where it's like, just because you can't lie doesn't mean you have to say terrible shit to everybody That's all right. the time. That's you right. know what I mean? Like Every scene like in the bar with Louis, he's like, I took a shit and then I jerked off right after. And it's like, you you don't have to, you wouldn't be just revealing everything. That's right. You just wouldn't be able to fake an answer for something. We and that's did, my problem. As an episode of my show, we did that. Thou shall not lie. And he couldn't lie the entire episode. And it, it was anytime we did that stuff, it felt too stupid. It was like he, he can't he can't just be openly condemning himself. He just has to be if cornered and ask a direct question. Then he can't lie. And you, we learn the lesson immediately that everything becomes unbelievable if you go the other route but every movie about lying goes that route where now that i can't lie i'm going to tell you the worst things about yourself that's not what it is yeah right no it's like if somebody came up and said how does this dress look and you went terrible yeah that's not being able to lie you're right yeah, it, yeah. not lying is not going after somebody cold and going you look exactly. like shit today exactly like, um the funniest joke in the whole movie and it's the one time they do it honestly and 
you know, on a, on, with, you know, naturally or whatever, is when he's talking, he's having the heart dart with the son at the end, and the kid goes, my teacher said real beauty's on the inside, and he goes, that's just something ugly people say. <laughs> and he says it so sincerely. Yeah. And you're like, that's fucking great. Like, that's how that movie yeah. should have went. There, like, are, there are about 10 funny moments in Liar Liar, and that's enough to be, to be a good comedy to me. But on the whole, it was, uh, I, I really was just bummed out by it. I also, and I wonder, I, it made me like all these movies I think I like that I saw when I was 15. I bet if I rewatched them, I'd hate them. I've gotten rid of a lot of movies because I bought things because I was like, oh, I thought that was fun. And then yeah. I go, oh, what am I doing? And I've yeah. really scaled down the collection because of that. But I also, that movie, because of the release, it came out around the same time. I, I always have comparisons in my head between that and Devil's Advocate. Like, I always picture I fucking love Devil's Jim Advocate. Carrey in the bathroom in the law house yeah. with Keanu Reeves. Yeah. Like, I, I they, mix up the there's a, there's a very similar vibe, and they came out in the same year. Yeah. I, I see what you're saying. Um, but Devil's Advocate is fucking awesome. Uh, uh, my, la- I, my last one is what it's been for the last few weeks. But uh, Perfect Strangers. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to keep up. This has become my favorite part of the show is reliving <laughs> my old favorite Perfect Strangers episodes. I want to keep updating the audience and you on this yeah. journey. I'm deep season six now. Yeah. I'm officially through five. I'm Are they six. living with the girls yet? No. Okay. But All right. the show is it's gone. It's <laughs> the show is gone. Uh, it has jumped the shark so hard. I can't believe <laughs> I can't believe there's not a term about Perfect Strangers that means jumping right. the shark. It is. It has just all become wordplay jokes. Give me, and, give me the worst examples, please. Uh, there was an episode today where I was watching it where uh, Larry's like old. I, I, I love so much that on Thanksgiving Day, you're watching deep season six episodes I, of Perfect Strangers. I put three in today. Okay. I put three in today. The, okay. <laughs> um, the, the worst joke I saw today was Larry's friend from high school comes back, and it's one of these things where... His friend was the cool guy that always treated Larry like crap. Sure. But Larry looked up to him, so he let him get shit on. Sure. And the guy comes back, and Larry wants to impress him. That's the basic plot. Okay. But the guy's name is like is like Bucky. So then literally the joke is just Bucky, Balky, Balky, Bucky. Bucky, uh. this is Balky. Like, it, like it's, it's so... It's so gone yeah it's so fucking gone there was an entire episode today called black widow was the name of the episode <laughs> now real quick uh, yeah. just to interject when you talk about how it's gone i watched a couple this week uh because weirdly in my bedroom i can get hulu but nothing else so i was watching perfect strangers and there was an episode where and i think it was the roller skating episode that you recommended to me yeah but Larry says to Balky, it's it's the one right before it where they're going to go to Las Vegas. And he goes, Las Vegas, that place goes against everything I was told I believe. <laughs> right. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> like, that's a deep fucking joke for yeah. perfect strangers. That's like a joke about re- like religion and faith. And they just dropped it in the middle of this really stupid episode of television yeah and that's the sort of thing that would always keep me coming back to like a mama's family mm-hmm. perfect strangers a golden girls because there'd be these amazingly written jokes that you're like whoa 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 yeah like there, there's somebody in there who's great trying to get out of this format it's why it's why 
And you're saying that went away by season six, I, I assume. Yeah, the first five, you're in pretty safe company. Yeah. Season six, it's gone. It's it's why the it's why like eventually the Golden Girls wasn't quite as good. Right. It's why the it's the same way the honeymooners jumped the shark. Yeah. Where once they lost the elements of realism, where you're like, that is so that character, and that's right. a really, really well written joke wrapped inside of a very broad premise. Right. Um, once that went away and it just became about like, let's have this one do this gag and then this one do this gag. And you're like, but that person wouldn't do that. This, this doesn't make yeah. any sense anymore. So Black Widow. Yes. Uh, and then I watched another one about the ring, uh, about him buying, which was actually funny in season six, where he buys Jennifer the engagement ring. Uh, classic stuff. Buys it out of, the, of a jewelry dealer called like Diamond Devin or something okay. out of the trunk of his car. And he's like, I got twice the diamond for half the price. She'll never find out. And then as soon as he gives it to her, she's like, I have to have this appraised immediately for the insurance. Uh-huh. Yeah. And he's like, we've got to switch the ring. It's, it's, it's ridiculous, but it's fun. I'm, I'm already I'm immediately on board. <laughs> that one I really enjoyed. That's yeah. that's worth your time in yeah. season six. I'm very interested. But the Black Widow episode, <laughs> he's writing a piece about a, about serial killers in Chicago. And he's looking through like city records and like the newspapers and things for for information. Sees a picture of Marianne Balky's girlfriend. She's apparently a serial killer. Uh, and. You know, and he thinks Marianne is now a serial killer. She's been a, she's been let off all all four trials because they couldn't find a body. All right. Goes to Jennifer. He's like, this is Marianne. You're living with a serial killer. She's like, w- they don't even have the same name. It's insane. Larry's like, no, it's it, serial killers. Traditionally, they always use an alias, but they use their same initials. Right. I don't know if that's true. Uh, uh, and then he's trying to convince Balky that she's a serial killer. Uh, Balky, of course, doesn't believe him. Uh, this is bone me out. Yeah. Here's one of the jokes in it. Bucky goes, oh, Larry. Oh, cousin Larry. Now that you've solved the crime, the case of Marianne, the serial killer. Why don't you go see if you can see who f- killed Laura Palmer? That's one of the jokes. That's like that's an end of act joke in this thing. <laughs> All right. <laughs> here's the woo. Here's the climax. Woo. Bucky's going camping with Marianne. Yeah. Mary, he, go, he's, he walks in the apartment with a hatchet. Larry goes, what are you doing with that hatchet? Balky goes, Marianne said she needed a new camping hatchet, so I bought her this. She said it would be nice and sharp. And Larry's like, thinks she, she's going to murder Balky. <laughs> and then goes to a mountain where they're camping, ties up Marianne. <laughs> Attempts to save Balky. <laughs> they get like stuck on a cliff. Pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! I mean, it's gone. That's pathetic. So the centerpiece of this episode ends up being Balky and Larry stuck on a cliff. And they need Marianne to help them. But Larry doesn't want the help because he thinks Marianne's going to kill them. And it's so obvious Woo! that a writer just was like, what if we had these guys stuck on a cliff? It was like, right. okay, well, how do we get them to the cliff? <laughs> Remember you had that idea Woo. where he would think Marianne was a serial killer? Well, now that's the one I want to watch. <laughs> More than anything else. There's your perfect strangers. Uh, 
I would like to call attention to probably my favorite movie of the year so far. It's a movie that's doing very well at the box office, and I'm glad to see it. It's called Lady Bird. Mm. Uh, it is written and directed by Greta Gerwig, who is an actress I like. You know, never blown away by, but I like her. But boy, oh boy, this was a hell of a hell of a picture. Uh, Lori Metcalf, one of my favorite character actresses of all time, of course, Jackie from Roseanne, also Uncle Buck, many other things, and Tracy Letts, who I've never liked, but he's incredible in this movie. Who's Tracy Letts again? He's a playwright, and he was an actor on Homeland and a bunch of shit. But yeah, I guess he always plays an asshole. And in this movie, he played like the best dad ever, and I loved him. And Laurie Metcalf is really good in it. And it's got Seorsi Ronan from uh, Brooklyn, which was my favorite movie of a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's one of those indie movies where like it gets great reviews, and you're like, I bet it's probably not this good. And then you go see it, and I was like, no, it's it's definitely fucking that good. It's like, for me personally, my favorite movie of the year so far. All Lady right. Bird, check it out. Great, great movie. It's a it's a throwback to like like the late nineties kind of indie movies where like everything seemed to be good. Like a Juno kind of thing. It's way better than Juno. It's way fucking what better. What are the than late Juno. when you say the late nineties movies though, what do you mean? Well, Juno's not late nineties. Juno's like mid two thousands or something. Oh, all right. You know, like in the late well, I'm talking like the happiness days and in the company of men or whatever. Like <sighs> okay. every indie movie was like something pretty special, you know? Yeah, it was original and yeah, Ghost World and all that kind yeah, of. Yeah, it was shit. before they started putting, uh, you know, uh, Archers of Loath uh, guitar yeah. riffs in every single. Right. Yeah, I got you. And uh, it's just it's got the same feeling, and it had, uh, you know, I, there, there's there's maybe one or two movies each year that kind of tear me up. This was this was mine this year. Last year it was Other People with Molly Shannon, which was a similar movie to this that I loved. And it was, uh, of course, Manchester by the Sea, which I consider a goddamn masterpiece. I love that film. But um, this Lady Bird was something special. I urge you to check it out. And the last thing I'll mention, because I have to mention it, is that I am good friends with a gentleman who randomly got asked to be in the Screen Actors Guild nominating committee. Mm -hmm. So he gets every screener of every movie that comes out. I just borrowed a shit ton of stuff from him. I can't wait to watch. But... This year, he was one of very few people who got their hands on a copy of a little picture called I Love You, Daddy. <laughs> All right. Written, directed by, and starring Mr. Louis C.K. How is the film? Folks, <laughs> I mean, just imagine you were you were in trouble for doing something pervy. Imagine the absolute worst possible thing <laughs> that could be coming out during that controversy. It was so... My skin was crawling every second of this thing. He's got Charlie Day's in it for like... Charlie Day plays a big role in it. I know Charlie. I love Charlie. I, I don't know... I mean, at one point in this movie, Charlie sits and... Throughout the entire scene, it's Edie Falco yelling at Louis C.K. Throughout the entire scene, Charlie Day is behind her miming, jacking off. Uh-huh. 
for like two and a half minutes. Mm-hmm. Charlie Day in a frame with Louis C.K. Mimes jacking off while a woman is in the scene. And but he's not doing it to be like a mash man in front of her. He's doing it to be like, ooh, like trying to make Louis laugh, yes, I would assume, but like, right? But like, it is still kind it, of weird. When you're watching it after <laughs> these allegations, it blows the mind how, <laughs> how on the nose it is. And uh, then there are th- three to four scenes where Louis C.K. and then John Malkovich explain feminism to Chloe Grace Moretz. Oh, all right. And they make you sick. And and then the, at a certain point, you're like, does he know that this is fucked up? That these old white men are, are lecturing this young, beautiful woman on feminism? Or is he just writing it as if it's right? And you don't, don't know, know he's a smart man. He probably yeah, knows. I don't know. There Then there are scenes in the film where, and, I, and I'll say there's five, six, seven, eight scenes in the film where women say to Louis C.K., look, men are perverts. It's okay. You don't have to apologize. <laughs> I understand. Men are perverts. Don't apologize to me. They're, I'm, oh I'm not kidding Lord. when I say 10 different women tell him. Basically, look, women love perverts. They're lying if they say they don't. And he also has 10 characters in the movie refer to him as a master. You're you you're the best writer I've ever seen. Oh my god! You're the best writer in the world. Uh, it's to me, it's the most damaging thing Louis C.K. has put out. That's uh, other than his dick. That's, that's upsetting. In his entire career, and it I was, will say this: for I the... watched this at like a party last night. We and this room sat. It was one of the. Like it's how people must have felt when they first saw the room back in the day. I mean, I was we were dying laughing at this thing because it's so fucking pretentious. And on the heels of this controversy, uh, I mean, this this thing's gonna blow your mind if if it ever gets released. It'll never get released. I uh, in fact, I think you could be jailed for watching it. (laughs) I felt like I wanted to go to jail after I watched Uh, it. I'll say this, you know, Louis's been. Uh, you know, a friend over, not a friendly over the years. I mean, sure, I went, sure. We don't have each other's numbers, but he's, I'd have opened for him many times and he's put me in his TV show and stuff like that. And uh, I've always had a very nice relationship with the man and I don't condone of uh, any of this stuff, no. uh, you know, yeah. um, but it's, it's, it's a bummer. It's a real fucking bummer, especially for the women, honest, obviously, right. for obvious reasons. But I will say when I saw that trailer, I was like, <laughs> Wait, this was the movie that just got shelved? Yeah. Like, because it came out, like, because it was like, they shelved the premiere of this movie um, because of this New York Times thing, and then you read the New York Times thing, and then you watch the trailer, and you're like, this is what the, this was the movie? Yeah. And it's it's pretty, uh, it's pretty crazy. It is, like, here's how Louis C.K. tries to endear himself to the viewer, because he knows that his character is so hateable in this fucking thing. At one point, he's like, the, his daughter, Chloe Grace Moretz, is like, but daddy, she keeps calling him daddy. That's that's the weirdest part to me. Yeah, she's walking around in a, in a string bikini the whole time. Yeah, and I, the title and, and the alone, big, the, I huge, love you, a, daddy. There's a huge celebration in the film when she turns 18. It's like this huge celebration. It's fucked up. And then Malkovich is playing Woody Allen, basically. 
right. because he's scared to have his daughter alone with Malkovich. Malkovich, given the most hateable role now, I've ever seen. Do you think seen, that's Louis making a commentary on when he worked with Woody Allen? Yeah. that he, I guess he's conflicted by it or something. Okay. But I don't know. I mean, the tr- from what I saw in the trailer, I mean, the movie is... It, the movie is it's it's such a ripoff of a Woody. I mean, I'm sorry, I'm well, not sure. shit on the guy, but well, no, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. the guy's artistic ability, but I just mean like it's 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 Manhattan. He tried to make Manhattan. It's yeah. a black and white film. It deals with an older man and a younger woman. Chloe Grace Moretz looks exactly like Muriel Hemingway. Yeah, they're playing that. jazz music. The movie's black and white. They're playing this shit. So like Woody Allen plays this shitty jazz music in all his fucking movies, but Louis C.K. is playing a version of jazz music so shitty that it sounds like the score to Sex in the City. Well, that's the thing. It's Woody like, Allen's an actual goon, jazz goon, fan. Goon, 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 like like yeah. marambas and shit. The, the movie sucks. And Edie Falco... Yeah, be on, now be honest, honestly, because I mean, the movie does sound not great. Yeah. Be honest, though. Put all the controversy shit out of your head. Is it in any way a redeeming film? No, no, it's no, just, no, no. It's no. just a, whether or not any of this happened, you'd say it's well, a bad movie. It, to finish my sentence from earlier, he... he like to make you more re- relate to him, he talks about his daughter's like, but dad, don't we? Can we just take the jet? And he goes, I'm not rich enough that I have a jet. And he goes, I have a card where I have access to a jet. Right. That's like that's what, what he uses to humanize himself. And at the beginning of the show, they're all celebrating because he sold three shows that week. It plays like an entourage episode. It's it's fucking shitty. Oh boy. Oh but. Boy. Edie Falco, one of the best actresses in America. Carmela Soprano, perhaps my favorite TV character of all time. And she walks into this fucking movie. She's playing the like line producer, the scheduler. And she is chewing Louis C.K. out because it's April. And they're supposed to have a show ready to go by September. She's screaming at him. And then she starts crying about it. And that's somebody so fucking out of touch, even with his own business. Because when I started writing my show, for example, you start writing in June to be taping episodes in September. Right. So in this show, he's starting in April to air in September, and Edie Falco is sobbing because they don't have the time to creatively <laughs> express themselves. Well, because he sold three shows. He sold three shows. <laughs> she's like, she's like, I put my heart and soul into this company. It is the most embarrassing scene. Everybody in the movie is, is is worse than they'll ever be again. The actors are bad because they're given unplayable material. And the Falco scenes in particular, when she's coming in like, we've got to make the schedule with a schedule. Yeah. I, I could I, not believe what I was seeing. It, I it's, wonder, a, it's unwatchable almost. I wonder if that film will become like the Jerry Lewis clown movie. I think it will. You know? I really uh, do think it will. Wow. Because this this was a, a room of very funny people, comedy writers, and I I was laughing real hard the entire night. There's a lot to, to chew on, and it could get that kind of midnight movie like crowd of asshole really? vibe. It, okay. w- it was that funny to watch. Yeah, because it's a guy who just is completely unaware. It's like he basically the uh, that was that was my joke. I was like, they should have called this movie Exhibit A. <laughs> Because it's like you could just show the movie in any trial of Louis C.K. and he would go to jail. Jesus. 
Oh, boy. But all right. Let's move past it. Well, yeah, that's what I was trying to say earlier. It's like this whole thing is so tough. I hope I hope that our fans understand us enough that we can speak honestly and candidly. I don't like to be part of the pile on with no. something like this. And it's like I'm not trying to just pile on the guy. I've had a nice relationship with the guy. I didn't know about any of this shit. I'm sad to hear about it. You know, I, I, again, I feel what bad for do? the what people that had to deal with it. And it sucks. And. You know, but I will say this, too. I also don't think it's fair that he's getting clumped right next to Harvey Weinstein, which is, you know, but uh, but this movie is it was uh, sounds troublesome. (laughs) Troublesome. is. I mean, you know, how do you talk about it? I don't know what to say. Mild. (laughs) Troublesome is mild. Uh, Let's uh, let's skip the scary stuff this week because we're we're really he's got Chloe Grace Moretz sitting on his lap. In scene after scene. I mean, all right, let, let's move past. Let's move past. Uh, let's move past the scary stuff. Joe scary stuff. I got nothing for Joe scary stuff. I had something and it sucked and I didn't want to. I don't want to do it just to bash yeah. it. Really, uh, just a re recommendation for that John Carpenter anthology uh, on vinyl. I've been cranking out pages, writing, listening to nothing but that album over and over and over. If you're a creative person, it's like. Uh, it's great stuff for writing or whatever you whatever you whatever you do. Well, that works. And I was I was doing some writing myself to the Lost Themes records, and those sure. came out before we ever did scary stuff. So if you don't have John Carpenter's Lost Themes volumes one and two, do yourself a favor and get those. Uh, beautifully Incredible produced, stuff. beautifully written. Yeah. Uh, very. You know, you could throw any one of those songs into any John Carpenter movie; it would fit right in. Yeah. It's, or Stranger Things. Yeah. or The Guest or all that stuff. Which brings us conveniently to our movie for this week's uh, Brawl in Cell Block 99. And I would say it brings us conveniently to the movie because this movie is basically a throwback to a John Carpenter style. Yeah. 70s exploitation kind of flick. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I was telling our friend James Pinkstone today about the movie. I said, I think you'd really like this flick. He goes, what's it called? He said, Brawl and Selbach, number nine. He starts laughing, and I go, I know, the title's awesome. But he goes, yeah, did fucking John Carpenter make it? And I was uh, like, no, man, but it's it's very much in the vein of that. Yeah. Like, it's the guy who did Bone Tomahawk, which yeah. we never did an episode on, but we, we discussed on the show. Uh, the company which, is Cinefamily, great company, doing really cool stuff. Wait, Cinefamily? Or Cinestate, excuse me. Sorry. Oh, Cine shit. family Jesus. was just shut down due to more sexual <laughs> abuse allegations. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, no, getting... I just wanted to make make that clear. Uh, Cinestate is the company, excuse me. Yeah. Uh, and they're doing some really cool stuff, the first of which uh, I believe was Bone Tomahawk. Bone Tomahawk we discussed, but uh, it came up again on the Facebook page. I mean, it's a Western, I would say a slow but very entertaining Western and then it takes a turn into cannibalism, and there is a scene that is one of the most troubling things I've ever seen in a movie in my life. And I'll say this. It was the most disturbingly violent thing I'd ever seen until I watched Brawl and Cell Block 99. Yeah. And there's the thing at the end of this one where yeah. I was like, this is going to be this guy's like Shyamalan twist. Like right. the end of every one of his movies is going to have a, 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 a violent thing that is so disturbing. I know. That uh, he's just constantly having to outdo it but well we just saw um <coughs> wait i don't know what i was gonna say well this is a film it's okay this is a film um vince vaughn 
like you've never seen them before, as they often say. Wait, I do know what I was going to say. On the Patreon that we just did, I'm going to drop a little business for us, Joe. <laughs> we just did our Patreon bonus episode, and it was fantastic. It was an hour plus, and we talked about what are the scariest scenes in non-horror movies that you've ever seen. And Bone Tomahawk didn't make either of our list, but that would be a great example. Right. Where it's basically a Western where it suddenly has the most horrific thing you've ever seen in your life. Right. Uh, this this movie, are you, are you talking about the skull bit? I'll just say it. If you don't want to spoil, then stop listening. Yeah, but here's it, the spoil. It's, it's an old-fashioned revenge movie. Vince Vaughn, who is fucking awesome in this movie. He's really great at it. He's really, really he's great. He's really great. Uh but he's just a guy. <laughs> he gets out of prison. His wife's been cheating on him. They work it out. She gets pregnant. He goes to jail. Again. Uh, they, they allude say, that he's maybe an ex-boxer. Right. And he's got some skills. They establish early on that he's almost a superhumanly strong man. Like he, When he finds out his wife is cheating on him... He beats the shit out of her car, like to the point where I love that scene. He like rips the hood off. He just yeah. goes fucking crazy. Yeah. And it's almost it's almost not believable, but they keep it right there right. on the line. And then he goes and then he goes in and wor- and works it out with her emotionally because yeah. he just handled his business with her car. Yeah. And when he goes to prison, he goes to prison because he's doing a drug pickup. Yeah. The two guys he's with. Uh, he says, if I say ditch the product, you ditch the product. And they're like, right. yeah, sure. He hears the cops. He goes, ditch the product. The guys don't listen to him. They get into a shootout with the cops. Vince Vaughn goes in, shoots the two crooks he's with to save the cops, basically. Right. Then gets arrested. Then the cops are like, just rat on your friends. Like, you did the right thing. And he won't fucking rat. Right. He's just a man of honor and superhuman strength that ends yes. up in jail. Yeah. And then it escalates from there. <laughs> and then, you know, they, they get him fucking naked in this movie. And Vince Vaughn's been at the outer limits of out of uh, out of shape for a Hollywood actor for about 10 years. But he ten, takes his clo- easy 20. Ten, 20. <laughs> but he takes he takes his clothes off in this thing. And it's not like you're not like, wow, look at this hunk. But, you know, he's like a dude. And I love that he didn't get all jacked up for it. He's just like a dude. And then throughout the whole movie, he underplays everything. He was excellent in it. And they keep you they keep you holding on for maybe a little too long for my taste before you get that revenge that you want. But that's the 70s style. Yes. So when the revenge does come, it is extremely satisfying. But holy Lord. <laughs> it's juicy. That, it's juicy. The, the skull scene that I was referring to when he stomps and the, the curb stomps the guy, basically, and then flips him over and you see what he looks like. Yeah, that's the scene I'm talking about. He's, I mean, well, holy Lord, he folks. Stomps a guy's, he stomps a guy's head face first into concrete. Yeah. Then he, he drags it along the floor. Yeah. And then he kicks the body and flips it over. And the guy's... The holes of the face are still there, but that is it. <laughs> His face has been like ground away. <laughs> I mean, holy shit. I was I was loving it. And honestly, it's the kind of movie that makes you like cheer for when he says like they're going to rape him bloody. <laughs> you're like like you're cheering almost because you you they in a very short succinct amount of time they make you hate all these guards so fucking much 
And Don then, Johnson, once again. Yeah. Don Johnson, one of the comebacks of the century, in my opinion. I don't like Don Johnson. I never have, and I always wish they'd gotten somebody different. Full disclosure. But, like, why weren't we given that satisfaction of him going all the way up the chain? That, that, that's what kind of let me down about because, it. Because, see, I like that they didn't do that. Here's why. First of all, Don Johnson, let me say this, came back in in Django Unchained, came back in in this. He's popping up in these weird bit parts yeah, I, all of a sudden. I think he's fine. I'm enjoying Don Johnson right. lately. Um, I'm thinking, I think he plays a very... I liked him in Tin Cup. He plays a very good, unlikable guy. He's just good at it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but I like that they didn't because it wasn't about I need to kill innocent men for no reason. Vince Vaughn respected the fact that Don Johnson was the warden in this place and he was a prick. Right. And that Don Johnson was treating Vince Vaughn the way he would treat somebody that he thought was a fucking lunatic. Right. And he was like... I love that, dude. He, he, he kills the guys he needs to kill. He calls the wife. He says goodbye. And I like that Don Johnson got it, too. He's like, you got your phone call. Make the phone call. And yeah. then we'll, we'll square this away. I like that they did that. I thought that that was cool. You've sold me on it. You've sold me on what I already knew in my heart. <laughs> that I did love that ending to the movie. But there was a part of me, too. Even when the movie was ending at like the two-hour... 15-minute mark, which is long for this kind of movie. I did sort of want him to, like, video game style go up the chain. You just want that release. But that said, I thought this was a really very well-done movie, and I loved it. And this new cop police brutality drama they're doing with Vaughn, this director, and Mel Gibson... I don't what's, know what the hell that's going to be. What's that about? But I feel like the director, and th- this is why people are getting a little uneasy about this guy's projects, it's always Vince Vaughn in this movie He's exclusively going up against minorities. In this film? Other than Johnson. In a strange way, I would say. I guess, yeah, you're right. I guess because the first guard he attacks is a black guy. The, yeah. The bad guys that he has to betray eventually are, are Hispanic. Yes. Or, uh, and that, yeah, I mean, there was there was a strange element to this, but it's just because when he put together this new police brutality movie with Vaughn and Gibson, people were all, like their ears kind of perked up. And then to hear that it was about like cops who finally fight back. Because they're sick of, you know, people giving them shit. Everybody was kind of like, what is this movie going to be? Well, maybe it's maybe they fight the corrupt cops. And I don't maybe. know. Let's wait and see. But the guy's the guy's a, a provocateur, if you will. And I like that. I respect Well, I mean, it. you can make the argument. You could make the argument with Bone Tomahawk that the only portrayal of American Indians in it is they're cannibals that cut your dicks in half. Sure. You know, I, mean, the, so. I think the guy, uh, you know. Gibson's obviously a very controversial figure. I think we gave Gibson too much of a pass on this show, probably. I know I did. On what? On on this show. I think we might have given Gibson too much of a pass. You think we gave him on the show? What do you mean the on show? On this podcast. Oh, I don't think we gave him a pass. I just think like we... He, well, yeah. It was fucked up and it happened and then he apologized and we all, you know, we all got on with our lives. I think that's... Yeah, and I that's also think, and I've said this repeatedly about Gibson... I don't obviously I don't like anything that he said. No. 
But you hear those tapes and those voicemails. I'm like, this sounds like a guy that's like having a nervous breakdown to me. It didn't sound like a guy that was being. I think that was the break we gave him the last time we talked about but it. But I, I don't know. think that's, that's just wrong. my opinion. I think people do spiral out of control, and and it was it was backed up when he said on the thing when Ricky Gervais took the shot at him. He goes, "You'll have to ask the guy that said it." I was like, yeah. I think he was like, "I'll tell you this, dude. My meds were off for the last two months. I didn't yeah. know that. Did I tell you this? No." My pro, I take Prozac. My Prozac was off by 20 milligrams for the last two months. I didn't know. I was mistakenly getting the wrong dose. The pharmacy gave me the wrong dose? <clears throat> the doctors, I, I made a mistake, and I didn't realize I was taking too low of a dose. Uh, so for the last two months, I've been taking 20 milligrams under what I'm supposed to take. I, was, I wasn't screaming horrible racist things at people or leaving voicemails, right. but I was really depressed and I didn't feel right and I couldn't figure it out. And then my doctor, when I went to get refills, he was like, is this your dosage? And I was like, no, it's supposed to be 20 milligrams higher. And he's like, you've been taking this. And I was like, oh my God. And sure enough, I started taking the right dosage. About a week and a half later, I'm like, oh, I don't feel like overwhelmed by the sun coming up anymore. You know what I mean? Right, right. So I, I, I do understand that there's a a chemical thing in your brain that can whatever but yeah. you know anyway um brown selbach 99 overall i say go see this goddamn thing and then this is coming from a guy that was ready to bail about 45 minutes in because i didn't know i didn't know what was taking so long but once it got cooking once i realized where they were going with it once i realized what an homage it was to to again the carpenter yeah uber violent you know kind of stuff from the 70s i was like this is pretty fucking cool, man. I, I liked it. I, I've never seen Vaughn like that ever. No. Ever. I, thought, I thought it was really fucking sweet. I loved it. And I I root for Vince Vaughn. I continue to root for Vince Vaughn. I love him. Because when he came on the scene, that was like, that was like you know, you get those once in a while. I feel like we had those a lot in the late 90s where it was like Owen Wilson, Ben Stiller, Vince Vaughn, where you get like a whole new comedic thing. That rarely happens. It, it's it's like the last one might have been Jonah Hill. Right. You know, it's been a while. Yeah, Michael Sarah and Jonah Hill, I think, were the last. And, yeah. And Rogan, Seth Rogan. Well, for sure, and then for after sure. them, McBride was the, was the next one. For sure. Yeah. For sure. But it, it's been a while where you get like that, holy shit, obviously this person's like a big comedy star or whatever. Anyway, folks, that's our show. We got to do these shout outs, Pat. Okay, go for it. Hold on a second here. All right. Our Patreon audience, thank you to everybody as always, Patreon or not. But uh, as promised, we give the shout outs to the folks that have donated money. Uh, Derek Clark, Anthony V. Menito, a.k.a. Party McFly. I've said it before, best name in the business. Philip Rashad, Tony Quinn, Rob Lines, Danny Rudd, Jacob Barrett, Jordan C., Maxwell Ashcroft, Ryan Kohler, Joshua Christensen, Barbara Allen, Jonathan Face, Rebecca Cohen, Smelly Bubbles, <laughs> Chris Bowen, Mike Gibbons, Donye Joyce, or is it Donnie Joyce? Michael Dawson, Jennifer Smith, Luke Henderson, Hater Ismail, Nick Walther, Leah Vaughn, Don't Be Ridiculous, Connor Dennehy, Michael, Stephen Koopa, Kevin Swistowitz. Thomas Coza, Anthony J. Guajardo, Annie Johannesson, Tom, Timmy K., Sean Florin, Dolores Martinez, Will Foley, Megan Lybrand, Scott Blickens-Durfer, Alec Walker, Brett Wemmer, 
Tristan Carlson, Laura Sexton, Anthony Guajardo, Brett Klinkner, Alex Lowe, Ethan Ethan Wittet, Weston Thomas. We've had a problem with this one before. Havidio hold. Isn't this the guy that said it's pronounced like this? Believe it or not. It's like Vidich or something. Vidich, Hividil. It's way easier than it seems. I, I'm sorry, I don't have it in front of me. I apologize for mispronouncing anybody's name. And again, we're not mocking it. It's just I think it's pronounced like Quidditch, like Harry Potter. Jared Blair, Josh Smallridge, Richie Verdugo, Chris Hopper, Emily Rosenbaum, Emily Florence, Sean L, Jordan Parker, Dave Komarek, Abby Manuel, Kim D'Angelo, Michael. Whitset, Jonathan Gal- Galat, Pat's Tijuana Handmaiden, <laughs> Carla O, Mike Wills, Stephanie Power, Hunter McDonald, Sterling Abrigo, Giron Sanderson, Diego Campos, Jake Ferrati or Ferrot, Stefan, Stefan Musau, Zoe Blaskovich, Edmund Dilland, Asley Kivensland. Dan McLeod, Brandon Brandon Gash, Lorenz Bunganiers, uh, Alejandro Salgado, Papa Spoosh, <laughs> Tegan McLeod, Matthew Little, Tracy Reddington, Sean Thomas, Amanda Alzamora, Jason Weibel, Michael Curry, Curry, Drew Spindler, Mike Cur- don't don't rush past Mike Curry. He's one of my oldest and dearest friends. I didn't know that. I didn't remember that. You, Sorry. Say, you say hello to Mike Curry like a gentleman. All right. Well, we don't want to make anybody feel special. <laughs> so, or over anybody else. Sam Mitchell, Aaron Milanowski, Scott Nolan, Jack Gertz, Greg Sorensen, Benjamin Tahia, Misty Zavar, Brandon Nock, Brandon Webb, Dajne Wilford, Johnny Ferg, Matthias Paguay, Superfan Giovanni, Michael Gold, Danielle Dewar, Eric Lamora, Michael Madrigal, go see Mr. Shoot Records in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, Stephen Reese, Walter Keegan, Kevin Mersenek, Erica Banning, Lawrence Anderson, Jared Smallridge, Zach Schoendorf, Will Podorf, Natalie Craig, Nathan Baskett, Edmund Agabau, Anthony, Kyle Kinsland, Brooke Adams, the man whose name we cannot say, Anababaduk, Scott Patton, Barbema, Barbema, Emily Marvel, Robert Pearson, MySpace Mike, Michael Aeo, Max Unrath, Dominique Bander, Hyten Davidson, Brian England, and John Weisengruber. Holy cow. A lot of people. Thank you, guys. We can't thank you enough. You know, folks, I'm thankful for every last one of you. Joe DeRosa Comedy on Instagram. Come follow me. At the Patrick Walsh, Twitter and Instagram. Folks, happy Thanksgiving. Have a great holiday season. Uh, we'll see you next time, and we'll see you in hell. That was a HeadGum Podcast. <laughs>